it was definitely some hurtful comment or microaggression that I have been going through and probably I have internalized that it took some time for me to kind of resolve in, a, in, in my journey but I think that gave me a lot of like deep sense of empathy and compassion and passion to bring a real change for the people who come after me. That made me feel strongly about we need to double downing on uh, inclusion work in order for us to unlock the true power of diversity of thought. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Finding Equilibrium show. I'm delighted to be here, delighted that you're here, and delighted that my guest today is Joe Keiko Tarasawa. And Joe is the head of Google's uh, Inclusion and Equity Program for the APAC region. So I'm like delighted to, to see you. How are you today, Joe? It, it feels like we talked about doing this like months ago, and months finally ago. We, get, we get to do it. So it's yeah. so great to, great to see you. So um, and how are you and where are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much. And yeah, it, it feels like, um, you know, the ages and I'm so um, pleased to be here um, finally uh, with you um, to, to join the conversation. So I'm joining from Sydney and my home office um, based in Sydney and really um, happy to um, contribute to this um, amazing podcast. Thank you so much. So maybe if we start with a little bit about, about you. So it sounds like a, an amazing job to have, uh, to be head of in inclusion and equity for Google, such a huge company and such a big responsibility. But I'd love to know how you actually got to doing that role and doing what you do today. What, what, is, your, what is your journey? I'd love to hear a little bit about your, your backstory. Wonderful, thank you. Um, yeah, so I've been at Google for 11 years, <laughs> which is a long time. And in being in this role for uh, four full years, um, I'm actually the first person who took this role in APAC Legion. So before me, there was nothing. Um, we, we had a kind of different structure um, to support diversity. Um, and I always kind of, you know, being passionate about diversity and equity inclusion, and especially in the area of inclusion. And I don't know if you've heard about 20% uh, project at Google that you can dedicate your 20% of your time for your passion project. And um, diversity, equity, inclusion is always my, you know, area of passion, um, being a, being as a HR professional. So the the prior to taking this as an opportunity to transfer in, I have already anyway working on DEI from where I used to sit. And so it was really natural, um, you know, the tran transition uh, into the role. And um, before joining Google, I was in the HR consulting kind of firm. And so I'm really kind of excited, get excited about a little bit like chaotic kind of, you know, um, you know, playing ground or kind of blank canvas kind of moment to get to work on, you know, drawing the vision and creating what it could happen if we do really, really well. So that kind of attracted me a lot. And, and of course, you know, um, a little bit about me, I'm, I'm Japanese, I'm born and raised in Japan, you know, coming from the rural area of like western part of Japan. I've been to the, the public school education K-12, to uh, English is my third language um, after, you know, standard Japanese and my local dialect. So, 
and I self-studied, self-learned English because my, you know, the public school teachers, none of the, the English teacher was fluent in English. Um, so I, as you can imagine, like that's what, that's like a long time ago, right? That before internet, <laughs> it took me like two weeks or plus to, to access to anything English written material. Um, yeah, so, you know, so I, I think, you know, the having access to information um, is super resonating with me, and I can I can see the kind of you know um, the the equity gap in in relation to information access. Um, you know, based on my personal experience, so that's something you know I I was really passionate about, and then I think that experience, um, and then also you know. Uh, in the context of Asian family, I'm the third daughter of three girls uh, and the last one. And it's what it means is actually like it's I, you know, the, the, the day I was born, it was a disappointment for my family because you are expected to have a boy um, somehow. Right. Uh, and then while I was so loved by my family and, you know, that my, my father was uh, my biggest advocate. But he still get a lot of, you know, the comments around like how wasteful he was uh, in deciding to invest in my, you know, higher level education. Uh, you know, he was the one who kind of, you know, um, after so much <laughs> argument and a kind of negotiation, he eventually supported me to, you know, go to study in Tokyo. And after that, I moved to um, the UK to study postgraduate. And now I, you know, I, with, with my own family, I live in Australia. I'm the, actually the first person in my entire family who speak English and also moved to, uh, you know, outside of their hometown even. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I think it's, you know, the, it's, 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 it's in, a, in a sense, it's innate to kind of being expected. You, you, there is no expectation of me, right, growing up and kind of feeling that's why is that, kind of staying curious. And, you know, it was definitely, you know, um, some hurtful um, comment or microaggression that I have been going through. And probably I have internalized that it took some time for me to kind of, you know, resolve. Um, um, in, a, in, in my journey, but I think that gave me a lot of like deep sense of empathy and compassion and passion to bring a real change for the people who come after me. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm kind of coming from, and um, so it's it's really natural for me to see, um, especially after joining into Google, that. Definitely 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I didn't feel like I belong because obviously I'm not the elite background. I, I, my English may not sound like, um, you know, professional uh, in the context of like, you know, I'm corporate America. So I felt like, you know, and I, I probably kind of intuitively know, knew uh, what impact uh, of, you know, lack of sense of belonging would make people's performance, right? Because you feel less confident and you feel like you may not uh, be considered as, um, you know, the strong performer, etc. So I feel like that, that made me feel strongly uh, feel about there's, uh, you know, we need to double downing on uh, inclusion work um, in order for us to make, um, unlock 
the true power of diversity of thought. So that's where I kind of getting into and fast forward four years later, my team has kind of grown um, more than double. And I, I think um, thinking about that, you know, four years journey, I'm just like really fascinating to see the level of interest and engagement from the leadership and then also as well as the, the grassroots level through um, employee resource groups that I support. Um, it is just fascinating. And I think um, APAC region is a place to where where we can unlock um, the, the power of diversity really, really well because uh, we are already diverse. And, you know, the um, kind of sense of respect um, is a part of our DNA, right? Because of the Asian culture or, you know, um, we kind of, See each, see each other's kind of very subtle nuance and try to understand, you know, where they're coming from. Um, that sort of kind of, you know, sense of kind of thoughtfulness um, really help us to to unlock the uh, when, when we try to work on the inclusion and equity work. So I I, I feel very excited and blessed to be able to work on inclusion and equity space in this particular region. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. So thank you, Joe, for, for sharing that with me. I can really understand why you're so passionate. I mean, often those passions come from our personal experience and now being in a position where you can influence so many people at, at Google, which, which is wonderful. So I'd love to know the types of initiatives. So when you look at an inclusion program and I can see your, your passion is inclusion, belonging. And if you look after those things and get those things right, then diversity comes you know well-being comes you know all of those things come on the back of that but if you're feeling um excluded and you don't belong then of course everything gets impacted in, in in a negative way so from from your point of view in your role and you described how the team has changed and you've got a very diverse population in, in terms of APAC but some of the things that you would be working on on a day-to-day -day basis what are the types of um you know programs I don't want you to give away any trade secrets but I'd love to know the types of things that uh, that um you would work on that you would drive um, to create a more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive um, uh, uh, culture uh, within Google? Sure. Um, there's a quite diverse <laughs> area that we get to cover, um, which is very fortunate. Um, the One of the key kind of client group that we serve is um, what we call the employee resource group. So that's, our, um, you know, the basically the volunteer based kind of employee group of, you know, the representing, um, you know, different demographics uh, within Google. So um, I, I think a lot of organization now has those like ERGs, sometimes they, to, um, they call it um, business resource group, ERG, uh, whatever you call it, essentially it is about, um, you know, creating a safe space for a specific demographic um, employees um, and then, you know, have um, internal network uh, for them to kind of exchange information as well as kind of help each other to grow uh, in their in their career as well as kind of you know that's where we also kind of provide inclusive inclusion uh, program targeting for the specific demographic in terms of for their well-being and um, as well as kind of you know the the um the self-development and growth kind of 
um, you know, the situation. I, the, but that the ERG is not just only for the affinity group. Affinity group means that the, 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 those who are coming from that specific demographic, so for what women at, um, is the, the, the ERG group for women um, at Google. But they, men can definitely join, and that we do have a leadership, right? Uh, the male and non-binary folks are standing up as a uh, as a leadership of women at group, because uh, either as uh, allies or uh, men as uh, allies and non-binary, and also like you know the trans folks also like if they are identified as a woman, it, it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. And. A similar, similarly, we do have, you know, disability alliance for people with disability or someone who are passionate about product accessibility, and we do have Pride at and Transat for LGBTQI community, uh, and so on, so on. Um, so we do. Um, so for those people, it's driven by the employee. But whenever they come up with the program they want to drive, um, our role is to support them to align their strategy. Um, into the right direction so that it's impactful um, in, align, in, in line with our APAC-wide um, diversity, equity, inclusion strategy, which is aligned with our global DEI strategy. So that in terms of the, you know, the harnessing the energy to direct, for, for them to direct to, directing it into the right direction is something we do um, as a core role. And we also, you know, looking at the, the gaps of like inclusion, um, you know, experience within the, the, the demographic, we also <clears throat> try to um, create a program that is focusing on the specific, uh, you know, the, the groups for, um, for example, women in tech, um, community. Um, it's very well known in, especially in tech industry, the women in, you know, um, technical roles are very underrepresented yet, right, um, to, to date. And what it means in this region is often um, if, we, if the organization is kind of structured according to the product area, they may be right just like one of the very few women within their team. Then they may feel uh, extremely isolated uh, without having, if they don't have a proactive kind of networking opportunity or feel connected and feel supported in their overlarging, you know, um, career development at Google. So we kind of created the, the, the virtual summit uh, for, for those demographic. And we do also have a heritage moment, right? So the, the February was Black History Month, uh, March was International Women's Day or uh, the Women's History Month um, and so on and so on. So we do have like, you know, specific kind of moments for each demographic to kind of, you know, help and support to raise awareness to, to allies in terms of what it means for, uh, what, what this heritage month means for them or the significance of their historical uh, context. Um, yeah, so we do that as well. Um, and then we also, you know, um, strive to uh, stand up strive for Google to stand up as the lead learner. Uh, if not, if we, if we can do well better, we, we can do better than maybe like thought leader eventually uh, in, in tech industry in DEI. So um, in order for us to kind of do that, I um, also kind of continue um, constantly kind of finding the opportunity uh, for Google to stand strongly um, to, you know, the, it, within the market. 
Um, so for example, uh, we have um, been running a pilot called pilot program called the DigiPivot uh, in India. This is a kind of you know the, the program reskilling training um, program for um, external um, talent who are women in mid career who wants to kind of pivot their career into digital marketing. Um, so by doing that, in, we may not be you know, hiring all of them, but it is about we as as a corporation, uh, you know, responsibility to, um, you know, to to address the root cause of the, the challenge that we face in terms of the representation, so that we can, uh, you know, use our resources to to extend the extra support for those, uh, you know, the the home communities, so that they can thrive. Uh, into their careers in the digital, um, in, in the technology um, tech industry. So these are the, the aspects. So internal ERG support and specific programs, and also sometimes like you know Heritage Month moment, and then externally we do also you know design and um, implement um, the pilot programs, um, DEI programs in partnership with external DEI firm and kind of academia, and you know these these are all kind of the, the led by and owned by leaders, um, business leaders. Um, so these are the things that we kind of work um, within the region. As well, thank, thank you for sharing that with me. I mean, it feels, uh, I can see why you're really, really uh, busy. How, how many, um, how many how, so there's an internal role and then there's an external role and um, the internal role, how many um, employees do you have uh, working at Google APAC? Um, Oh, that's not something we can't. I don't think I can answer to that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but we, I can talk about. Uh, we are in the hyper growth mode. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. Okay. Let's just kind of stop talking about it. Okay. So. When you think about your role and all all of the people and uh, the responsibility and where you are in the kind of cycle at um, at um, at Google, I'd love to know how you manage that because Google Google's um, I'm assuming growing, um, but if you can speak anything to the phase of development because. Google, I think what's really interesting about Google, just from an external point of view and a customer point of view, as um, as I am, is that you have a view of what Google was like, say five years ago, but of course it keeps changing and you've worked for Google now for 11 years. So I think it's very interesting how, um, you know, what the perception is that people have, whereas the reality, because we all like you work for a brand that everyone knows, but some people will still think of Google as a search engine. Others will think about it mm -hmm. as a, you know, based on the product and based on our um, our experience. But how do you manage? I think there are, there are two questions I'd love your, your input on. How do you manage in terms of that constant change uh, in terms of um, in terms of growth and, um, and and development within the business, and, and and also I'd love your views about how you know, what, what people can do to create inclusion, belonging within the context of hybrid working and where, where, we, are, where we are, where we are now and everyone's um, facing the same challenge. You know, how do you create a, um, uh, an inclusive and a sense of belonging where people may not actually be able to meet physically 
um, yeah. in the way they did uh, in, in in the past. So a, a couple of a couple of points there. I'd love you to um, to speak on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you say that. So eleven years um, is a long time, and I might have, you know, just being the insider, might not be aware of like you know, people's change, like you know, from external perspective, how how they see our us um, as a brand uh, but from internal perspective I see you know Google when I joined like you know the sort of long time ago um, in a small office in Shibuya um, it was more like everybody knew each other it was like you know the brilliantly smart people yet like you know really kind of you know the um, the strong vibe of startup and you know that everyone has this can-do attitude like why not like we try to make like the strong belief in you know the changing the world um to the to the better place and which that that notion of like you know can-do attitude and the positive kind of you know the positivity around like you know contribute to the world through technology is still um, very strong um, as a part of the culture. Um, and I think regardless, like the the hyper growth that we have seen, especially in this region in the past couple of years, but what it means in terms of the culture, um, I had an opportunity to kind of join the internal event as a speaker uh, and um, into the organization where they they literally had this you know hyper growth where uh, majority of the people who joined Google um, joined it virtually have never actually you know visited the, the any of the office or met their manager or team member in person and that made me kind of uh, you know put, put myself in a realization moment of that you know my experience of Google might have been massively different from the majority of the Googlers uh, who recently joined. Um, I had the um, opportunity to kind of do a little bit of like tech check like it, we have an internal tool to check like how many uh, how much how, how many percentage of uh, employees full-time <laughs> employees joined after you kind of tool and um, I saw 92% wow. uh, employees join after me globally. So obviously my perception of Google may be very different from, especially for those who recently like joined in the past two and a half years. So kind of, it's really important for me to kind of think about those people who have this virtual experience of like getting onboarded at Google and what is the, you know, what what kind of impact it had that experience bring to them when it comes to the sense of belonging. So um, yeah, so that's that's definitely something that we we keep in mind. And you know the so so that is not just us our job as a DEI team, but also like as a one, you know, HR organization, we call ourselves a people operation. So one people ops kind of work that um, we have, uh, you know, the uh, new employee onboarding team, they are really focusing on experience, virtual experiences, then they do also kind of really try to think about, you know, equitable experience. Um, so far, I've been kind of hearing a lot of positive kind of, you know, the feedback. Um, yet, of course, you know, uh, after kind of settling into the organization, and yet, um, not being able to see people in person or um, that's kind of in you know, a kicking game maybe like afterwards, right? So how to, you know, stay engaged with your team members or your, um, 
your clients to make sure that they feel supported and kind of, you know, the, be given opportunity to thrive is something really important. Um, so the hybrid work, uh, we, so when we talk about the, you know, daily work, um, equity in terms of the, our daily operation, um, making sure, especially now we, you know, some of us are getting back to the office in some location and some of us uh, may have decided to, you know, stay completely remote. Uh, some of us may be, you know, going back and forth depending on the pandemic situation. So definitely this year and onward, uh, people's experience of, you know, getting to work uh, would vary, right? Then how are we going to ensure like optimal experience for everybody? And, you know, the, the key thing is to kind of, you know, call for um, thoughtfulness. And, uh, and kind of, you know, the empathy and compassion, like to, to think about others and kind of trying to make the equitable kind of ground for everybody. And in order for us to do that at Google, I think we are really kind of, you know, uh, looking at our corporate value, uh, which kind of define our culture. So we are very fortunate to have our, you know, the, the corporate culture of three respects. So it's uh, respect users to respect opportunity and respect each other. And the third part, respect each other, is really key for us when it comes to the, the work environment, because we never be uh, you know, good to anybody externally if we can't respect each other and create the kind of, you know, the inclusive work environment where everyone feel um, you know, seen and supported and connected so that they can contribute um, to, to bring the innovation. I love that. And um, looking specifically, just moving on and just looking specifically at the APAC region, what are the um, what are the differences that people should consider when thinking about creating um, diversity, inclusion and belonging? Like you said at the start that you've already got a lot of diversity, but maybe more emphasis on that inclusion, uh, because you do have so many different languages, cultures, ways of thinking. Um, it, it can feel very challenging to bring all of that together. But I'd love your 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 um, your view on that. Yeah, um, and it is something that I work on daily basis and continue thinking about what would be the best way to do it. So the key philosophy that I always go to is think globally, act locally, which is not Google specific. <laughs> I think there are a lot of like, you know, organizations who are, you know, the, the, the operating as a global organization and kind of, you know, have a business as a, uh, as a local, in, in the local market, always need to think about that perspective, right? So how to have a global wide strategy uh, and then when it's when we implement it into it and then how can we can that strategy and actual tactics resonate uh, with the local market and local audience so I do that same and um, and another dimension that I also think about is uh, because it's a people and how Google operates is that we mobilize uh, our talent globally right so when we Think when we talk about specific market in Asia Pacific, we are not just talking about locally hired people. There are, you know, as a global organization, there are people across different parts of the world happen to be working in that specific location who may have, who may carry 
you know, the different cultural background, um, different expectation uh, into with, with them um, when moving into to this region. So the, the, the two things I keep in mind is one, um, how to make sure um, our DEI narrative and kind of approach is resonating with our local talent. So it's not perceived as a US centric kind of, you know, the, the conversation because it's not. Um, but at the same time, second point is how can we then make sure the Google's experience is consistent across the world regardless where you're working from? for the people who are moving across the world. Um, so taking one example of racial equity, right? That's a big topic and that's relatively new concept into this region. Mm. Uh, when we talk about, you know, uh, racial equity, we, we do have a global racial equity committee as an organization. This is fundamentally kind of focusing on black plus um, talent. And um, then it might, which might not be, right, uh, the, the great representation in the region, right? We might not have like large part of our employees kind of you know, coming from that demographic. Having said that, so um, we do have, right, uh, you know, we, we as a global organization, we want to make sure that our experience, regardless, regardless um, where they work from, is consistent and consistently inclusive so that they can thrive and grow and stay within the organization. We, so we need to think from that perspective, but at the same time, we also uh, want to think about like as an additional lens of what the racial equity means in the specific market into in the region. So taking Australia as an example, um, you know, reconciliation action plan is something really important for us to kind of work on in Australia which might not be very well known or obvious uh, agenda uh, when, you know, uh, for, for uh, people outside of APAC or even um, Australia market. So my part of the job is not just from, you know, making sure that the global strategy is landing well to the local, um, you know, context, but the vice versa as well. So if there is any like a big agenda that is critical for us as a business to, to achieve, how am I going to be then advocate for that? Um, that to be elevated as a uh, as a critical agenda when it comes to DEI um, as a you know the, the global organization. So that's like the a little bit bottom up advocacy part is also I uh, I need to be conscious and I need to work on. And in order for me to do that uh, across certain different market, it is a constant um, learning and educating mm. myself. Right. Mm. Yeah. So that's never be a dull moment. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. It excites me, and yeah, I, I'm, mm. I'm so grateful to be able to, you know, um, connect with uh, you know different great talent, right? That is diverse, and you know, have a trust base for them to be able to give me a really honest kind of feedback on what can be done better or what is not working, or when it works really well, then they can also tell me that. So that trust-based kind of you know, network and community base um, that we, we we get to have in this region is something that I really embrace. Um, mm. 
Mm. I love that. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I mean, last last question, and I'd love, and, and this is very much your perspective, um, I, but I'd, lo I'd love to, everything you've said is a lot of activity, sounds great, sounds, sounds wonderful. What does success look like? Like if organizations, not necessarily Google, but every organization, so if every organization is successfully, successfully has a inclusion and equity program in place, how do they know that it's working? What does success look like um, for you? Like, how do we know whether we're doing a good job in terms of um, ensuring that we do have um, initiatives in place or we have the culture in place that really supports diversity, inclusion and belonging? Sure. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge believer uh, in belonging. So it means that for everyone to bring a bigger business impact through, you know, innovation, right? So it, it is more than be a sum of ourselves, like some of them have come. So um, it is kind of, you know, the, we, we are nurturing ourselves by a psychological safe, trust-based workplace. So there's more innovation, there's more greater work that can be done that can be much more than what, I can do as an individual, what other can do as an individual. So it's like it's amplifying the business impact. So um, that is what I'm kind of ultimately aiming for. Um, so the what it means um, in, in, in the more kind of actual kind of tangible way is that they need to feel like seen uh, for their performance and they feel connected to each other uh, in terms of the, the network and they feel supported for their career development. Therefore, you know, over, overall, they feel proud um, to be at Google uh, or any other organization. So that's the, if it's a kind of ultimate stake, and then that's, to me, it is a kind of foundation of everything we do, right? Uh, if you have that, you know, the, the foundational kind of needs fulfilled, that's where you can start growing uh, of your, you know, uh, self-actualization and, you know, the self-awareness and kind of, you know, the, um, the higher level of growth can be achieved um, as an individual as well as an organization. So that's the kind of foundation that we are, we are trying to, um, to achieve. I love that. I, I really love that. That is so aligned with the whole finding equilibrium, uh, equilibrium philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> and be before we close, I mean, I tend to ask everybody the same question, but... And maybe instead of asking you what finding equilibrium means means to you, because um, I think in some ways you've just answered that. <laughs> but <laughs> what do you do to keep yourself in balance, to keep yourself well? Because you've clearly got a lot on, a lot of different balls in the, in the air. But how do you maintain that sense of balance and in your own uh, personal life? Yes, um, and then the, the longer I work on this role as a 100% responsibility, the stronger I feel that knowing what, you know, make you feel grounded and stay well is the skill that you really need to have as a professional. And for me, um, and I think it was more kind of, you know, it, it's been uh, more than a decade that I started, but I do, um, I, I do grow <laughs> vegetables and oh, um, I, I really, you know, I, I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I'm not just a people person, but I'm just like fascinated by the growth, right, um, in, in, any, in any kind of forms. 
Um, so by growing things, uh, whether it's kids or like vegetables or plants <laughs> or people, I learn a lot. And, um, you know, it does force you to do a couple of things. One is observation. So you need to really observe what's going on in, in that little seed to kind of pop up and then kind of really wanted to understand what, what it needs um, to be fed and what kind of sunlight it, it has to, to have, etc. And then the second thing it, it, it teach me is a patient. And, you know, um, you need to stay engaged uh, and without getting frustrated not to see the fruit uh, for quite some time. In fact, uh, one big reminder for me, everything I feel stuck at work uh, that try to kind of, you know, be grounded from my hopes through my hobby is you actually need longer to grow your root before seeing the flower or fruit. So the fruit that you're going to kind of cut, you know, the cultivating is like really end result. And it's a kind of fluctuation, it's the very end result. But the, if you think about the whole kind of lifespan of one plant or one vegetable, it actually takes like, you need to start creating the soil, right? Not even like planting a seed. So it's a long journey. Mm. So I, I try to remember that and it actually, you know, um, I, I learned permaculture, so it also kind of gives give me a lot of perspective when it comes to diversity, like true power of diversity um, require time. And also before we unlock that, there's a lot of like chaos happening, like you have a lot of bugs coming in or eating like all the vegetables, etc. So that that whole kind of, you know, the permacultural philosophy helped me to do my job in, in a it's... sense. <laughs> yeah, in a so yeah, I, I think it's just kind of helping me to kind of have a higher level perspective back the sad part. Uh, whenever I do anything, I try to kind of try to keep my perspective at a higher level, not going get into the, I don't know, ground or kind of, uh, how do you go, like negative space or kind of competitive space or I more, I would say like more ego-based space um so whenever i and it's you know the being able to notice your mood change is really critical and when you notice that how can i then moving myself up higher here so that i can kind of stay in a higher perspective without losing my mission and kind of you know without losing why part <laughs> of i love that yeah yeah so yeah. that's yeah so that's how i try not not perfect every day of course but yeah, yeah that's how i uh try to stay grounded i want that is wonderful thank you for sharing i think a couple of things for me really come out of what you said it's like you can't have the fruit until you do the work <laughs> you know you want the end result but if you want to grow something then of course it takes time and you have to do all that work so there's so much that we can learn from that kind of natural nature cycle really isn't there it's so interesting i'd love to talk to you more about permaculture but we'll have to talk about that another time and i think the other point you make is that it's getting the balance right isn't it between living your life and observing your life and mm -hmm. it's similar to what we say about working in your business versus on your business and you know ultimately 
and having mechanisms and tools in place so that you can do that, so that you've got that perspective, because it helps you know, like when you step back and you've got more of a bird's eye view, then you can see whether you're heading down the wrong road or, you know, or whether there's a, you know, a brick, a brick wall coming. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Let me acknowledge you for like everything you've done. It really is an amazing story. And um, just moving from, where you came from and really having that passion for knowledge and really being able to transform and change your life so that you're here now and can really impact so many other lives it is an amazing thing. So thank you so much for everything you do and for sharing some of your story and some of your tips with us today. Where can people find out more about you or follow, follow your work? Sure. Um, if they could find me on LinkedIn, that would be the easiest. I'm also um, trying to launch my personal website uh, outside oh. of my work to kind of continue sharing um, through that channel. Um, once it's kind of launched, it's going to be connected on LinkedIn. So if they can follow that, follow and connect on LinkedIn, that would be the easiest. Amazing. Well, Joe, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your time and for your attention. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.